Hey, have you been in those one-on-one conversations at work where your leader asks you what feedback you have for them? How'd that go? If your experiences were anything like mine, from my times on both sides of that conversation, your answers were something like, oh, nothing, you're doing a great job. And I don't know why I thought when I was the leader that it would be any different. I don't say that because I'm of the opinion that there wasn't any constructive feedback to give me, but instead because even though I had done my best to create camaraderie and psychological safety on my team, no matter what, there is still a power differential when you're someone's leader. Feedback is tricky, but when done well, it's part of what makes working on a team worth it. Feedback is one critical tool that helps you improve as individuals and as a team. It's just a fact that others can see past blind spots that we may have. That's why it's one of the collaboration skills that we focus on in our Learn by Doing Good team building experiences. And it's why we're focusing today's episode on some team norms and practices that can make receiving and giving feedback less of a drag and more of a tool to unlock your collective genius. I'm Terry Schmidt, leadership coach and facilitator at Stronger to Serve Coaching and Team Building, where we define leadership as courageously using your talents to make a way for others to courageously use theirs. And this is the Strong Leaders Serve podcast. Okay, so let's first start with the acknowledgement that feedback is everywhere. We get feedback from what happens to our friends or partners face when we make a comment. If you're a parent, you may get feedback in the form of rolling eyes or the statement, Mom, don't ever say that again, when you say that something is slapping. Giving a presentation at work? Part of what can make that so difficult is that unless you have a spotlight shining in your face or everyone has their camera off on Zoom, you're being hit with feedback from multiple sources continuously. Facial expressions, yawns, laughter, People taking notes are leaning in. It's all feedback that you're receiving while you're trying to deliver your presentation. But just because feedback is everywhere doesn't mean that it's effective in improving the performance of you or your team. In fact, a survey by Gallup found that only 26% of employees strongly agree that the feedback that they get actually improves their work. So if it's not improving work, what is it doing? Best case, it's just wasting some time. Worst case, it's destroying trust, as the three components of the trust triangle that we've talked about before, logic, empathy, and authenticity, may all be taking a hit. So what can you do as a leader? We really dig into and even provide the chance to practice these feedback skills while you're engaged in the community service project in our Learn by Doing Good workshop but I'll hit the high points today. First, let's start with some key characteristics of effective feedback. And you are likely to start thinking first about using these with constructive or difficult feedback, since that's often the feedback that we're most nervous about giving. But I encourage you to think of some examples where you were blessed with the opportunity to give positive feedback and see how you can apply these characteristics in those situations too. So first, Effective feedback is timely. That's why there's such a push to get leaders to go beyond the annual performance conversation. First of all, with an annual performance conversation, you're going to be suffering from the recency bias anyway and only focus on what happened in the last month or so. 
Second, it's just a fact that we learn best from feedback when we can still remember the content, context, and the emotions of the situation. A practice as simple as a quick chat immediately after your team member has had the opportunity to lead a meeting can do wonders. You may ask for their self-assessment and then provide your own assessment on two questions. What went well that you want to do again next time you have an opportunity like this? And what could have made the experience better for you and others that you want to change for next time? In addition to being timely, effective feedback is clear and specific. You've heard me talk about Brene Brown's quote, clear is kind. And I've also talked about Kim Scott's radical candor matrix in which she suggests the best feedback is the right mix of care and challenge. I'd also like to throw in a Center for Creative Leadership model that I learned a couple of decades ago, SBI. That stands for Situation, Behavior, and Impact. When feedback is delivered with clarity, people know how to improve or what to continue doing the next time. Think about how much more actionable it would be to replace, you did a great job facilitating that meeting, with, I really appreciated the way that you asked Katie for her opinion when everyone else was speaking over her. That helped to set the norm that everyone's opinion was valued and helped the group generate the best collective ideas. I don't know about you, but I'd rather receive that second piece of feedback. So when delivering feedback, aim to make it timely, clear, and specific. And you'll be well ahead of many other leaders in terms of the value that you're getting out of those conversations. However, even if feedback meets those criteria, it still has to be received well in order to affect performance. And let's be honest, receiving feedback, particularly constructive feedback, is hard. Why is that? I learned a fascinating fact from author Sheila Heen. She pointed out that anytime we get feedback, we have two opposing forces working within us. First, research shows that we, as a whole, have a strong desire to learn and grow. We always want to continue to be getting better. However, that is always at war inside of us with our need to belong just as we are. When we're getting feedback, it may be saying that we're not perfect yet, and we may see that as a threat to our belonging. In fact, our brains actually do see that as a threat, and that can prevent our ability to listen and use the feedback. Sheila also talks about three triggers that work inside of us that make it difficult to receive feedback. First, the truth trigger. Particularly if the feedback isn't clear and specific, we may struggle to find the kernel of truth in the feedback. We may also have a challenge seeing ourselves honestly. Second, relationship triggers. This is what happens when we have a bigger reaction to who is saying it as opposed to what is being said. Side note, it is important to make sure we're prioritizing listening to feedback from people we trust. However, sometimes even feedback from others can positively impact us if we are successful in separating the what from the who. And finally, identity triggers. We react to feedback by blowing it up into stories about what that means for who we are as a person. Say you forgot to include one small part of a report. Do you end up telling yourself that that means you're a lazy, forgetful slob that will never succeed? 
So you can see we have a lot working against us in terms of our ability to receive feedback. But I know you have a desire to establish a team culture that gets the most performance benefit out of feedback. So now having this knowledge about what's going on inside of us when we receive feedback, what can we do? Well, here are five team practices you can try. First, make it a team norm to deliver feedback in the form of PSBI. I like to add to the Center for Creative Leadership's model that I just discussed earlier by putting a P standing for permission before the SBI, situation, behavior, impact. If our brain sees feedback as a threat to belonging, we need to do something to lessen that threat. One way to do that is to ask permission. Research shows that saying something like, do you have five minutes to talk about how that went? Or, I want to see you learn and grow, and you're a valued part of this team. Are you open to talking about what opportunities there are to improve? That can help lessen the threat that our brain feels. Once you get the permission, you can follow it with the SBI, or Situation Behavior Impact Model. Second, implement the get curious before you get furious rule. When given feedback, what is one question you can ask to better understand and act upon it? The stance of curiosity can do wonders to calm emotions. Third, when you or your team members are seeking feedback, ask a specific question. You can even do this at home. Instead of, do you have any feedback for me? Set the expectation and model it yourself that you should ask a specific question like, what is one thing I could do this month to make your days easier? Communicate why you are asking and how the feedback will be used. The boundaries around the feedback that you're seeking and the expectation setting for how it will be used can help to combat the tension of the power differential and can also help with some of the triggers that I mentioned. However, you also need to set the expectation that when you or someone else asks for feedback, you expect a concrete response in a day or two. So the answer to what is one thing I can do to make your days easier this month should not be, ah, you don't need to do anything. People should think critically about a response that they can give you. Number four, set up regular feedback giving and getting times as a norm. Some examples could include, people could expect to have a 10-minute conversation with you whenever a team member has had an opportunity to try out a new skill. Or maybe in your weekly or monthly one-on-ones, the agenda always has room for a two-way feedback conversation. Regularly set up project debriefs and make it a team process that you know you're going to go through anytime a project ends. You may call this an after-action review. Or maybe you have time in your weekly meetings to give one person specific feedback or for everyone to give feedback on a specific project or feedback on one specific question you have for your team as a leader. And number five, very important, especially for establishing and maintaining psychological safety on your team. Be on guard for feedback that is unkind or unhelpful and be sure to address it right away. Now, to be honest, I'm still a work in progress with feedback. I love to give specific feedback when someone does an excellent job, but I'm still working on the practices for delivering constructive feedback. 
Having team norms in place increases my feeling of safety in doing so, as there are external, agreed-upon expectations that I can hold myself accountable to. I hope this helps you to unlock the power of feedback for your team. If you'd like the opportunity to go deeper and make the learning stick by practicing it while you're doing good for the community, check out our Courageous Feedback Learn by Doing Good team building experience to see if it's a good fit for your team. Have a great week, and until next time, lead with this quote by Ken Blanchard in mind. Feedback is the breakfast of champions.